0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I am here, and I am just delighted. I've got Kristen Lawless on the phone. We are going to just get into some serious food issues. Kristen Lawless, she's been on the show before. Uh, She has a new book just out a week ago. It is called formerly known as food, how the industrial food system is changing our minds, bodies, and culture. And I it just it connects the dots in ways that I feel like no one has bravely done before, and I am so here for it. Kristen Lawless, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, congrats. Your book is very brave and fantastic. Uh, we'll never have enough time to get into all of it because I slightly just want to take over and just read it out loud to everybody. But <laughs> let's talk about one thing. You open the book with an anecdote. You talk about how as a, a dietitian you were at somebody's house. T- t- tell that opening anecdote. It's so clarifying.
1: So I have there's two stories I tell. The first story is um because I'm I'm actually I'm a nutrition consultant so I've worked with doctors here in New York City and in California and so I often go into people's kitchens to assess what they're eating and then to try to help them figure out, you know, how to eat better, healthier. And the first example is someone who has kind of like, you know, the just the picture of processed foods like Pop Tarts and Oreos and things like that and they're like Obviously, they know those are bad. Everyone knows those are bad. <clears throat> and then she opens the door to show me what's in her fridge, and she's, like, thinking that I'm going to be pleased with, with, with the contents. And it's, um, she had egg beaters. She had some broccoli florets, like, you know, in the plastic baggie. And she had um, orange juice, I think it was. And so I kind of had to, like, break the news that actually, no, this is just this misguided idea that many of us have, thanks to a lot of the marketing by industry, by big food, that this is healthy eating when, in fact, really it's not. Those are just highly industrial products and have many problems, which I get into in greater detail in the book.
0: And then you went to, you know, what you (laughs) think of as the average kind of, you know, bohemian hipster, Mm -hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow emulating friend's house, and they think that they're eating differently, but you don't think so.
1: (laughs) Right, so then I went to my friend's house that night, I remember, for like dinner, and she had a couple of little kids in the house, and so she had in her fridge, you know, those little yogurt packs that are like flavored, but they say organic on the label, and she also had those little squeezy pouches that I see parents giving their kids everywhere, the little plastic squeezy packs full of fruits and vegetables, and they also say organic or natural on the label. And again, I was kind of like shocked to see that because this is someone who I considered more enlightened of an eater And cares and definitely cares about these issues and thought she was doing the right thing. So I don't, you know, I'm very like, I don't blame anyone because really we've just been so deeply misled by the industry that it's become so confusing. So even people who think they're eating well, and especially by looking at these marketing claims like organic or natural, when in fact there's so much wrong with the yogurt and the squeezy pack, again, which I get into in the book.
0: You do. And so the base, your basic argument is kind of two things. One, our food is not, ha- is not have as much nutrition as it would in say George Washington's time or Teddy Roosevelt's time because we're growing it so differently. And then two, the processing changes things and the storage changes things too. Are those the, the, the basic? Yeah. yeah so let's right. talk about that. Why is food less nutritious than it was for say our great grandparents?
1: Well, it has to do with the way we're farming now in these big industrial farms, large monocrop farms, which just means when you, like, grow one crop intensively, what it does is it depletes the soil. So people, the farmers in these big these big industrial farms are just looking to increase yield, so more crops and faster and with, you know, just greater efficiency. And what happens is when you do that, you don't care for the soil and the land and the biodiversity that you need in a farm in order to retain the nutrition in the soil and then the food. So all these things have been depleted. And there's been studies to show that many of the vitamins have been significantly in decline since the 1950s until now. So that's you know, the main way that even just whole foods, like when we're talking about fruits and vegetables and things, have been depleted.
0: Yeah, and that's a thing, you know, we're writing farm country here, and yeah. you know, the pressures that farmers are under to get ever right. more dollar yields out of their land, their uh, farm machinery now costs so much, and just to hold on to your land and your you know life of having a right. roof over your head, the pressures are enormous, so it's not a not again like not to blame farmers, right. but things are uh gone in that way and then i one of the things I love about your book is that you talk about all the little bits of chemicals that are here and there and everywhere. Can you kind of right. talk about that,
1: yes. Yeah. So well number 1 with the way that food crops are often grown we're using a lot of pesticides a lot of herbicides and fungicides so those are on the cro- on the crops which of course are going to end up there's going to be some residue on the actual crop itself which we take in and then and like going back to the what we were talking about initially with the the packaging there's there are these chemicals in plastic packaging and they're everywhere so, and what they're, they're called endocrine disrupting chemicals, which just means they're chemicals that interfere with your hormonal systems in your body. So, that affects things from developing diabetes and obesity to brain development in the womb, especially children and babies, especially vulnerable to these kinds of chemicals. And that's why I was so alarmed to see my friend with those squeezy snack packs and the yogurt and the plastic because we know that those chemicals are leaching into the food the researchers and scientists have done tests to show that there are trace amounts in these foods. And and the problem with this is, this is like the crux of it with these hormonal kind of um, chemicals is that they affect their bodies in very, very small amounts. So a lot of people will say to me, Oh, can't be that big of a deal. I'm only getting this tiny amount. Well, unfortunately, because they affect the endocrine system, even tiny, tiny amounts with what industry calls trace amounts, are affecting us, and there is an abundance of evidence, um, which I talk a lot about in the book
0: and there's so many packaging materials, and it 's impossible. As an end user, to you know, to right. know what's in it or what's been in the packaging before your final packaging, you right.
1: Know, uh, right? along the supply chain and the manufacturing plants and all of it, which is why, again, I don't blame the consumer because how would you know? It's not on the label. You're not. It's not saying, "Oh, this has uh, BPA or this has some other kind of chemical that's going to be harmful." You don't know as a consumer, and this is why I wrote the book because. We have to know. I mean, I think as consumers we have a right to know what's in our food so we can keep ourselves and our families safe, number one. But what we really need is to come together and to demand that the regulatory agencies, whose job it is, is to protect the public, do their job. Because what what else I uncover in the book is that in many cases they're not properly regulating these chemicals, and industry is really getting away with putting stuff on the market that we just don't know enough about to say that it's safe.
0: Yeah, the one of the scandals that's just boiling along and we never have time to get to because there are so many other scandals <laughs> is that whole idea of the, the generally recognized as safe regulation. And people that don't know, this is when uh, you can just put anything in your food and you just send a letter to the FDA saying, you know what, this is generally recognized as safe. And like, that's all you need to do.
1: That's right. And in some cases, you don't even have to do that. So I talk about how sometimes when companies... If the FDA gets the notification from the company and they're like, well, we have a few questions, we're not sure about this, the company can just decide to withdraw the notification and just continue marketing the product, too. So, the, you know, it's it's a mess. I mean, one of the scientists I talked to in the book called it that we're living in the wild, wild west of regulation because really there is none when it comes to this stuff.
0: Right, and we're running uncontrolled experiments on ourselves, on our children, and then... This is what I really want to talk about. So you really lay out the problems in the food system. It's nutritionally depleted. It's adulterated with all kinds of strange additives that we don't know what they are. They're leaching in from various sources. We -hmm. couldn't possibly get to the end of it. But you Mm -hmm. put your finger on the thing that I feel like nobody has mentioned in all the years I've been writing about food, which is a long time, which Mm -hmm. is that there used to be value – in women's work in the home, making foods from scratch in right. these, in you know, a, a iron pot like a you know, putting it <laughs> in glass, or like right. doing things that were, and the value of that has been stripped from the system. Right. So talk about, uh, you know, women, their work, their invisible work. It actually was valuable.
1: Yeah. And and like look at the the history of this in this country and spe- especially during the um what was called the Gilded Age, which was like the, the eighteen eighteen hundreds, women were really valued for and we should point out this was like middle class white women too, so that's a huge caveat, but they were valued for their labor in the home and their cooking and their skills around the house. And it was actually spilled over into the society. Men respected it. They viewed the home as a place of democracy even that was vital to um, a a good and civil society. And then what happened was, you know, with industrialization, uh, women and, you know, eventually women started leaving the home. By the 20s, the food industry Started making, um, had all these innovations in packaging and processing and shipping. So stuff started creeping into the home. But it wasn't really until like the 50s and 60s when it really was like in full swing, the, the food industry. And it, it really convinced women in many cases that this was going to alleviate the burden of a lot of housework, which of course it did to some degree. But what I argue is that we lost something so crucial and so valuable, you know, not only to our health, but as to to society as a whole. And so we've kind of allowed the industry to take over that role, do the cooking, you know, quote-unquote cooking in the kitchen for us, or, you know, people who can go eat at restaurants where they do the cooking there for you. And it's undermined, I think, a very valuable thing that we've been doing for generations and generations, which is cooking in the home, taking care of our families, nourishing our families. And, you know, of course, these were real whole foods because – that's what women, that's what women and people had access to then. It was you know prior to the the mass industrialization of the food and prior to um, just kind of allowing industry to do it for us. And it's it's um, I think it's that is one of the key issues that I I raise in this book. And that if we want to get back to a healthy a healthy society, have better public health, I really think it's going to begin in the home.
0: Yeah, and the I, I like how you kind of call out some of the food elites that do drive me crazy—the Michael Pollins of the world—who are just always telling us, like, just slow down, make mm-hmm. bread, and eat plants. It's like, well, it's right. not that easy. I got a job. Uh, right. Some, some of—I've uh, seen data recently, and I know you've seen it too. Uh, women account for the major bread earner in something like forty-eight percent of houses at this point. I mean. We're, got things going on. You've got to be the janitor, be the chauffeur, raise the children, earn (laughs) the money. And when is the time for sourdough bread
1: and, you know, (laughs) raising cucumbers? Right. Yeah. So I do. I do critique the food movement. I mean, I do it lovingly in the sense that they obviously, you know, and I guess you could, we're, we're sort of part of it in the sense that um, brought a lot of awareness to these issues of course but my critique is that telling people telling consumers just to go out and go to go to your farmers market or buy organic foods and cook at home um, doesn't address the underlying issues which are I mean we think about okay say a woman has has a job she has a couple kids she's many women are really close to the poverty line in this country. I mean we have a, this enormous income inequality problem. We have the culture of overwork. People are working longer than ever for less money. No wonder they're forced often to rely on these processed foods. They're cheaper. You get a lot of calorie, you know, caloric bang for your buck. Um, it's easy. But that, you know, so the point is, is that the food movement, I think, fails in this way because they're not talking to everyone. They're not, I mean, they're not even talking to someone – really like me, who, um, you know, I can't do all the things they're saying with the work I do, and I have a child now, too, so it's like it just doesn't make any sense, and we really need to address income inequality. We need to address um, a culture of overwork and think about what do we value as a society, and I'm arguing that what we need to value is, you know, good, healthy food that's accessible and available for everyone, regardless of your income or your your job situation or how many kids you have or any of that,
0: yeah. And the rest of us need to start valuing that time. Value right. the time that it takes to make a lentil soup. In you know, value the public health impact of making a lentil soup.
1: Right. I mean, these are these are enormous issues. But what I'm trying to get at is that we can't just continue to call for consumer change because what it's essentially done is created two. Food systems and we have one food system for the elite that can afford organic sustainable etc and then we have a, a food system for the rest of Americans who are, f- are relying on the processed food industry and that hasn't helped the majority of Americans and so what we need to do as consumers is as what I point out in the book is we really do need to come together demand regulation and we talk about the chemicals in the food supply what about that I mean that's what I think people need to come together and rally around and Um, then we would start seeing really significant change.
0: All right. If you want to read this book, it is called Formerly Known as Food. It's by Kristen Lawless. It really connects so many dots that needed to be connected. I feel like we're going to be talking about this for two or three years now. It's going to really lay out what's important. Kristen Lawless, I cannot thank you enough for writing the book, taking the time. I know you're going to get a lot of pushback, people, um, for for saying the things that need to be said, but I am grateful you did.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. All right, we're going to come
0: back, and we're going to talk about another thing that's real food, which is coleslaw. Got a call wondering about that. That is Kristen Lawless, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-L-A-W-L-E-S-S. She's, she's beyond the law, Kristen Lawless, formerly known as food. The law that we can't talk about how much time it takes to put good food on the table. She's broken that law. I am here for it. I'm also here for coleslaw. So what are you making this weekend? I bet you could make coleslaw to be part of it. It is one of the healthiest things we eat. All-American hero food. Cabbage is so good for you. It's one of those cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower and the things that people are telling you eat all the time because they are so good for you. It is one of them, and I've got the top five. They are up at wccradio.com/ slash menu or WCCORadio.com slash Dara. You can find them. They look good. Got links. I know I had to put the number, the regular mayonnaise coleslaw up because that's some of what all y'all want, and I respect that opinion. I've got one that cuts the mayo with a little buttermilk. It makes it lighter. Very good. Uh, so that is up. My number four is a blue cheese coleslaw from my friend and esteemed food writer, Roseanne Gold. Have you ever had blue cheese coleslaw? At first it sounds weird, but if you're thinking like, what is the one that I can put with a steak? It's out there. Really good. All right. I've got a French grated carrot coleslaw. You ever do that? They do this in France all the time. They just run a bunch of carrots through the food processor. They're all grated up. Very healthy. That's up. And I've got a miso ginger coleslaw. You know that one you get in Japanese restaurants? It's so tasty. A little slaw with the miso ginger dressing. It's very good. And I've got that recipe up right now. And then the number one... Yeah, I had to put a little... I put the real Hellman's Classic up there, so I had to put a little wackadoo one from Alice Waters' history... uh, Ooh, let me try that again. Alice Waters, our famous... Princess of all things California cuisine. I love her. I just helped out on a cookbook with her, and you'll be hearing more about that. She makes this coleslaw. It's very California, so it's got a bunch of cabbage, of course, and then lime juice and cilantro and jalapeno, jalapeno, a bunch of cucumbers. It's really healthy. Like your paleo friends, your gluten-free friends, your dairy-free friends, everybody will eat this. And it's uh, it's really not that expensive. Once you buy the cabbage, you're not buying too much more aside from some, from some limes. All right, so that's up. All of these things are up on the website. You can get all of your coleslaw recipes. We come back. We'll have a minute or two for, for Ask Me Anything, and I will answer your questions. Dara here. All right, that was a whiz-bang of a show. It's good to talk to someone who will finally connect those dots. I will say, as someone who breastfed some children for a total of like four years, nope, you know, there's so little support for that in this culture. It is a, It makes lifelong health benefits for generations, not just your children, your grandchildren. I felt so lonely so much of the time, so unsupported. If you our mom, our grandma and aunt doing that now, you're breastfeeding these little ones. I support you. I see you. I see the hours and the difficulties and the time that you put in. It is, you know, if I could wave a wand and start valuing some of the work that that women do that it has such huge repercussions. Uh, as you know, I have a couple kids in school right now and Wow, I am a working mom. I see so much uh, of the way that the school is built to have, you know, stay-at-home moms in the schools doing things. We've taken the ability of people to be stay-at-home moms out of the system, and we leave the work that they were doing in the system. It's just so hard, and and you know, you get this one chance to build. These little people's brains and immune systems—you know—you get that that first ten years—it's so vital. So everybody now who's out there, kind of just doing that hard work—I appreciate it. I see you. I wish that more people would appreciate and see this how hard it is. All right, so now back to our regular scheduled thing. That book was formerly known as "Food" by Kristen Lawless. Right, so as ever, we got a couple of questions. Uh, A couple of time for some Ask Me Anything. I should say uh, next week we're going to have a totally different topic. We're going to be talking to uh, someone who's put together a a St. Paul picnic itinerary for you. You want to do some picnicking next week? You want to do some picnicking this summer? Picnics are good. They're thrifty. I like them. You can have a good time outside in St. Paul. So that's what we'll be up to. Uh, So I got a question about... You know, so I'm talking about how important it is to feed people. What are some easy solutions? Well, you know, the easy thing I always say is just that big batch, something with a lot of fiber and legumes, something like that. You know, make your, get your crock pot out. I got a crock pot that has a ceramic liner because I'm anxious about all of the Things We don't know what's in all of these nonstick surfaces and and how they react over time. So I got one with a ceramic lining. You can make overnight oatmeal. Think that's a really easy thing to do in a crock pot. Um, you could do a barley soup, uh, any kind of chili. You throw some beans in there, a lentil soup. You make a big batch of that. You can put your crock pot on your porch if you don't want to heat up the house. And then... Then that's you know that's a homemade meal that you have, so that's that's my that's my always my go-to. Uh, one day I should write a cookbook, and the cookbook will just be uh, the dead, healthy, cheap, big batch foods that you can make to sustain yourself. If you look at culture over time, you know these culture, it's the Scottish, all they did was have oatmeal all the time. They have oatmeal for dinner and different kind of cake forms, oatmeal for breakfast. Irish too. You know that was how you got through hard times. We we just lost that now. What do we do to get through hard times? We we go to the drive-through. It's not healthy. All right. Um so oops, we're out of time already. All right. Well, you be ca- out there. You be careful with your fireworks, folks. We will only be around to make our big batch oatmeals if we're careful with those fireworks. Just keep your fingers